And so we identified that the common area electric meter was not on the most optimal category. And that saved them, I want to say close to $100,000 per year, um, just by getting them moved to the most optimal delivery rate. Jens, the question on everyone's mind right now is what in the world just happened with my natural gas bill? Um, yeah. So could you talk through what's going on with natural gas right now? Most people are not equipped to understand the seemingly endless facets of an HOA. That's why we're here, to help you become uncommonly prepared to serve your HOA. Whether you're a board member or a manager, join us in the Uncommon Area. Welcome to the Uncommon Area. I am Matthew Holbrook, and this episode is all about energy expenses, and specifically today, we're going to be talking about natural gas and natural gas expenses. And uh, joining me here to talk about that today is Timothy Ma, Action's uh, Director of Business Operations. And Jens Hansen is joining us um, from Commercial Energy. And so appreciate you both being a part of this. And I guess just to get started, Jens, you're the expert in the room or uh, literally not in the room, sure. but joining us. Yeah. And yeah. uh, would love to know uh, kind of what's your background? How did you get into doing what you do? What is it that you do? And what makes yeah. you an expert? Yeah. Well, I don't know uh, if I could say anything about me makes me an expert, but I can certainly cover my background. So uh, I've been with Commercial Energy for uh, almost 12 years now. So I have my 12-year anniversary with the company uh, next week. And uh, I can't say I knew I was going to get into natural gas sales when I went to went to college. So like everyone else, I uh, went to college, didn't, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I got my degree in communications. and uh, But I always had an interest in energy. Uh, one of my jobs uh, for a summer a job in between junior and senior year was one of those people that tries to stop you outside of a Whole Foods and get you to donate for a solar cause. So that gave me a good uh, entryway into energy, but also into, into sales and business development. Uh, developed a pretty good callus for getting told, you know, no about 65 times a day. Right. So that was a good uh, first job for getting me into this role. And really, we we started just focusing on on natural gas and the roots of the company go back to 1958 as an oil and gas production company, uh, Rank Oil. And then in 1997, Commercial Energy of Montana was founded to sell our natural gas directly to end users. And then in 04, we moved to California. And we've been operating here for 19 years and really we, we focus in the California market. And I think it's similar to, to action. It's, you know, you focus on a different side of things, but California is so unique when it comes to the energy markets that it takes a, all of our departments, all of our, our team members to focus on it in order to provide the value that we need to for, uh, for our clients. Great. So again, don't know if I'm an expert, but Certainly try to read enough to uh, provide some education to our clients. Jens, the question on everyone's mind right now is what in the world just happened with my natural gas bill? Um, yeah. So could you talk through what's going on with natural gas right now? Yeah, uh, very good question. And, and again, in the 12 years I've been here, uh, there's only been maybe one other time where natural gas was even mentioned in the news, let alone, you know, on the top story of the local news and certainly in Southern California, there's been numerous headlines about it. In terms of what caused it to get to this point, a uh, number of factors and depending on how far back we want to go, uh, I don't want to put everyone to sleep uh, with uh, too many natural gas details here, but 
Uh, some of it started with COVID, uh, which is some of the labor and supply shortages and supply chain constraints that we felt coming away from COVID. You fast forward to earlier 2022, a big piece of it was the Russia-Ukraine invasion, uh, leading to record amounts of liquefied natural gas being exported to Europe as Russian flows were decreased as a result of the war. So we started to see gas prices moving up uh, during that period. Then we've got one of the hottest summers on record, both across the country, but more of the factors are, are regional factors as opposed to national factors. And that's why we're seeing such a, a diversion in the California markets compared to the rest of the country. So we had a very hot summer, hot September. So remember that, that Labor Day weekend, it was you know about 105, 110 degrees across the state. Uh, no, no rolling blackouts. And so what prevented those rolling blackouts was record amounts of natural gas fire generation to keep the lights on. Uh, at that point, we're using record amounts of natural gas to make electricity. And that started to deplete our natural gas inventory levels as we headed into winter. You compound that with a reduced amount of storage capacity. There was a reclassification uh, by PG&E of its storage fields, which reduced the amount of natural gas that could be put into storage and used. So we go into this winter with a pretty significant delta, about 36% below the five-year average. Then you add on top of that a one standard deviation colder winter um, in California. I mean, I remember in early December, it was you know, 35, 36 degrees in the mornings. I mean, cars were kind of frozen over. So very cold here. You add on to that um, the drought, decreasing imports of hydro, which again leads to more natural gas fire generation. So really a, a confluence of factors. And so we were talking about this on Tuesday night during our company all hands event and in other price spikes that we've seen, you know, we saw one in 0506 with Hurricane Katrina and Rita. We saw one in 08 during the uh, global financial crisis. Uh, we saw a little one in 2014, but I mean, nowhere near the magnitude of what we just experienced this winter. And the scary part was all the other events, there was like something you could point to. You say, oh, well, there was a hurricane or there's this global financial meltdown. This one was 3x the previous high record, but there wasn't something that you could like point to. It was five or six things that by themselves were pretty mundane, but all of them happening at the exact same time led to wholesale prices going. So in, in the Southern California utility, up 312% year over year. So that's the... In a nutshell, what's been going on with the California energy markets and to make an analogy similar to with, with action, a lot of times people want to put everything into one, into one bucket. So if I have a 1500 square foot, three bedroom, you know, two bath condo in San Francisco, that commands a different price than that same footprint in Louisiana. And there's all sorts of supply and demand fundamentals that make that, you know, be a million dollars versus maybe 300,000 in Louisiana. And we're experiencing that uh, very much so in the, in the energy markets right now in California, that the local supply and demand fundamentals are causing our prices to be much higher uh, during these volatile periods compared to the rest of the country. So to clarify, um, this is 
particularly a California issue or it is just exacerbated in California, but nationally they're experiencing some level of this? Yeah, I would say this summer was very much just more of a national global supply and demand issue. And California being basically at the end of the supply chain, given that we're a very gas reliant state, if there's a increase in Europe or an increase uh, across the country, we're going to feel that here. But what happened this winter was very much just a locally driven uh, supply and demand uh, issue that led to our price spike. Because I had clients that you know watch you know Mad Money with Jim Cramer, and they'll see the natural gas price on Bloomberg or CNN, and they would say, "Jen's like, can we you know lower our rate? I'm seeing the the prices are crashing." But that was at the the national level, uh, what's referred to as the NYMEX price, which is in Henry Hub, Louisiana, which is totally different than what the price is going to be in Northern California or Southern California. So what options do homeowner associations and buildings in California have to help mitigate that 300 plus percentage increase in terms of natural gas? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're with the utility, uh, obviously you still get the delivery from them for the natural gas that's delivered to the association. And that's one part of your bill. It's very hard to get away from that. The procurement side, which is the one that's subject to all these market fluctuations, uh, you can still stay with the utility and they have a monthly variable rate uh, that they pass through at their cost. So if their cost for that month was $3.45, like it was for SoCal Gas and SDG&E in January, they pass that right through to the consumer. Uh, but there is a choice in California because natural gas is fully deregulated. So any homeowner association, any single family home, any business can say, I want to buy my natural gas from a third party supplier while still receiving the safe and reliable delivery from my local utility. And we can provide options that the utility legally cannot. Uh, they're only allowed to provide a monthly variable rate. So uh, we've got a number of action managed HOAs that have been with the commercial energy service. And most of them are either in a fixed plan um, that's tied out with their budget year. So for example, the, the Harrison, I think they're on a April 1 budget year. Uh, we're in this really good cadence with them where they're working on their budgets. The general manager and the board say, we, we need help on the, the next fiscal year's budget. We look at their historical consumption. We look at the utility delivery rates and forecast any expected changes there. And then we also show them, here's a fixed plan or a collared plan that provides a price cap on the rate for the budget year. And then based upon their, you know, the overall market fundamentals and the risk tolerance for the board, they can choose what strategy they want to go with. And then they have that plan that takes place through their entire fiscal year. And so those clients didn't feel any of the impact of the natural gas price spike and their budgets were completely protected. And sure, it's, um, it's kind of like buying homeowner's insurance for eight years in a row. And you're like, man, I don't want to spend $1,500 a year anymore on home insurance. And then that ninth year, something happens. You're like, yeah, that was kind of stupid. Now, home insurance, you're kind of legally obligated to buy it, but I think you get the, uh, get the analogy. So uh, by using a third-party gas supplier like Commercial Energy, you can get options that you can't, uh, more risk-averse budget-oriented options that you can't get from the utility. And uh, we take on all the price risk and all the volumetric risk. So uh, we want to make buying in, uh, in energy simple because it can be very complex, but we might not make it simple so every board, treasurer, every general manager can understand it. 
And part of the way that you're able to do that is when you set up these agreements, you've normally been able to set them up at a pretty competitive rate for those 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, so some of these examples that you've talked about, they didn't experience any of the 300% increase, but they also already had a competitive rate compared to the rate three months ago, right? Yeah, exactly. And the no different than interest rates. You know, when you want to, you know, buy a condo and I go get a loan from the bank, the rate's going to be set at the time and what's known at that time. So for our fixed rates or card rates, it's just a function of what's the Ford market showing us for natural gas uh, for those months? What's the expected usage by a month for that association? And then ultimately, you know, given the market fundamentals, we'll give a recommendation to the board, you know, hey, because some of them, as you know, they like to roll the dice a little bit, but I would say by and large, most boards, fairly risk averse. And at the end of the day, you've got 150 line items on the budget. And if you said, if I could just have every single one of these line items uh, come out exactly how I budgeted, I think everyone would be pretty happy. And at least with natural gas, we can take that one line item off the plate and make sure it does come in within, you know, one or 2% of what we budgeted. But you're on the hook for the other 149 ones. So sorry, Tim. We can help with gas, but can't help with landscaping or garbage or water. Yeah. Jens, any city, local, state legislative updates that our boards or general managers should be aware of in the near future? The the one, just to switch gears a little bit, the one that we're um, most trying to communicate to our clients about is the net energy metering rules in California. And that mainly applies to electricity with regards to installing solar photovoltaic uh, panels on the association. So uh, tell are, me that in English. You, are you familiar with net energy metering? Yeah. Tell that to us in English. Yes. So if a association wanted to look at installing solar panels to cover either the common area usage or even start to offset some of the usage inside the units, you could look at installing uh, solar PV panels. And in California, there's a, a net metering tariff called net energy metering 2.0. And what happens is as the solar is overproducing in the middle of the day, more so than the consumption of the common area space, the grid acts as your battery. The grid takes the excess solar and they give you a retail credit back for the solar energy that you sent back to the grid, less a couple pennies. So it makes solar very viable from an economic position. Now, because so many people have installed solar throughout California, we now have this problem called the duck curve where we're sending too much energy back to the grid in the middle of the day. We're oversupplying it at 12 p.m., 1 p.m. And so all the utilities in the CPUC have said, we need to adjust the rules for solar to get them to install a battery when they install a solar device. So uh, what's happened now is on April 15th, uh, the rules are going to change to what's called net energy metering 3.0. So you can still install solar. It's still going to be a benefit. The grid will still act as your battery. But now if I send solar energy back to the grid at 1 p.m., instead of getting the retail credit, I'm going to get the wholesale price credit, which is going to greatly devalue the energy I send back to the grid. So it's going to push paybacks back probably by about at least two years. So, and the April 15th deadline is not, the system doesn't have to be installed by then. Uh, you have to submit your application, your interconnection application to the utility 
before April 15th. So if you're in, you know, in contract or close to being in contract with an engineering procurement construction company, the actual solar provider, there's a good chance you can still get in before the NEM 3.0 deadline. Uh, but if you do it post April 15th, you'll now be under the NEM 3.0 rules. And it's very likely that in order for your system to pencil, you'll have to install a battery system with it. It'll just add a little bit more project cost to it. Just to clarify though, if an association already had solar prior to April 15th, 2023, they're still able to get the full rebate from the grid. That's not changing. It's only Correct. for new systems after April 15th. Yeah. Okay. If you already have solar, you are already grandfathered into the net energy metering 2.0 rules, which are much more favorable um, and that's for a 20-year period Great. Uh, from, the, from the date of installation. Great, so that's, cool. that's one big legislative update that we've been keeping an eye on and advising clients about. Uh, the second is with regards to the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, back to solar, that did provide more tax benefits to not-for-profits that obviously can't take advantage of a tax credit in a traditional fashion. And so now there's a direct pay option for HOAs to install solar and get more of those tax credits that are in there, which previously they could not. So for the associations where they have the footprint and the appetite to want to look at solar, yesterday was the best time to look at it. And then today would be the next best day. Uh, we've seen huge increases from the cost of electric generation across all California utilities. Uh, San Diego Gas and Electric has the biggest increases we'll be seeing average cost of power for SDG&E in the 35 to 40 cents per kilowatt hour range this year. Uh, PG&E is around 30 cents. Uh, SCE is around 25 cents a kilowatt hour. So huge increases. And so for HOAs that are looking at how can I stabilize, control, and reduce expenses, uh, solar is a great way to do it if you have the available footprint, which obviously a lot of the high-rise towers that you have in your portfolio are not ideal candidates for. So back to the natural gas for just a minute. Um, the current environment that we are in from a, a cost standpoint, do you uh, anticipate that this is kind of a new normal or do, do you expect the, the, the pricing to come down? Or I know you don't have a crystal ball, but to the extent that you do, what, what, what do you see happening? Even if I did have a crystal ball, I'd still love to sit here and chat with you gentlemen about natural gas though. So <laughs> I just want to put that out there. So from a national level, we're seeing very robust production numbers on the natural gas side for 2023. Uh, we're going to see about a 4% increase in production. Uh, the liquefied natural gas exports will be going up slightly, but not as much as the production numbers. So Overall, we're expecting some looseness in the supply-demand balance for 2023. And there's even talks that we may be filling up storage too much on the national level this year based upon kind of how the forecast looks. To the other part of the question, some of the issues that caused this regional price spike, I do think those are things that can absolutely rear, you know, come back again in periods of extreme weather events. And as we know, living in California, we're getting more and more extreme weather events, either drier, hotter summers, um, colder winters, um, extended periods of drought. So I think in these periods, it's, it's very 
it's very possible that a price spike similar, maybe not to the same extent, but that these one or two month weather driven price spikes can happen. Uh, again, the, the other component that I left out that caused uh, or is another factor that impacted our markets was reduced pipeline capacity from West Texas. So in the Southern California region, we import a lot of our natural gas from uh, the Permian Basin along the El Paso pipeline. Uh, August of 21, there was a large explosion on that pipeline. And so there's been continued maintenance, investigations, uh, reduced pressures on that pipeline. And so when we've got periods where we've got very cold temperatures in the region and there's restricted flows on that pipeline, we physically cannot get enough gas into our system to meet the demand. And so now it just becomes, I've got low supply, high demand, economics 101, we see a huge increase in the price. So nationally, I think prices will be pretty soft and we're seeing that reflected in the, in the Henry Hub pricing uh, in Louisiana. We're at levels we haven't seen in 18 months. But I think in California, similar to other aspects of running an HOA or running a business, you have to expect that California is going to operate fairly uniquely and independently from the rest of the country. That's great. Um, one thing that we moved past a little bit, but speaking of California and what commercial energy has helped action and action clients with, could you give a couple examples of how commercial energy has helped action associations save valuable dollars? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two core services that we can bring to almost any action managed HOA. The first one we've talked about is natural gas procurement, where for any HOA that says, hey, we can't have a 312% price spike come out of nowhere, uh, that's going to impact HOA dues and our budgets. We need to have more stability when it comes to our, our operational costs. That's something that we can implement right away. So for example, uh, One Mission Bay in San Francisco, a rel relatively new client for us, um, but they you know, came to us and said, hey, we need more help. We need more education when it comes to our natural gas budget. So we got their usage, applied it against the utility delivery rates, and then walked them through different options. And so they ended up fixing this year um, at around 68 cents per therm. Uh, so again, it's a good story that they're well below where the market was this winter. But at the end of the day, 68 cents was going to help them meet their budget and they had a known budget. And so it's going to be a win whether the market went up, down or sideways because they had that predictable budget. And that's really the core services of what we're providing on the natural gas side. On the other service is utility bill auditing. And that is a success-based fee service that we provide to any of our natural gas clients. Uh, obviously, we've had some pretty big success stories with clients like uh, the Harrison and, and the Infinity. Uh, but a, a recent one would be a 2177 Third Street. Uh, Daniel Hastings, who's one of the uh, the rock star uh, up and comer uh, action property managers. So uh, he worked with one of my colleagues, Alex Polizos, uh, got that uh, approved by the board. And just one of the normal things that we do is two weeks after you come on board, we'll give you a report on looking at all of your natural gas meters, all of your electric meters understanding what they serve, looking at the load profiles for each, and determining if they're on the most optimal delivery rate schedule from the utility. And so we identified that the common area electric meter was not on the most optimal category, and that saved them, I want to say, close to $100,000 per year 
um, mm-hmm. just by getting them moved to the most optimal delivery rate. So those are really good success stories. Uh, there have been some ones that are are pretty large in terms of the annual savings generated. Uh, but as Matthew said, I don't want to be promising a $2 million of savings for, uh, for every client. But the thing that I can always promise is that you'll get more educated about the energy markets, you'll be more informed, and you'll have a more predictable, accurate, and, and stabilized budget when it comes to energy. So for the boards and HOAs where that's important, we can help every single one of them. Right. Well, hey, Jens, that's been super helpful and uh, really, really appreciate your experience and expertise and uh, joining us here for the Uncommon Area. I know that will be a, uh, a really valuable um, episode for a lot of our board members. So um, thank you for joining us and uh, hope that you check out other episodes of the Uncommon Area. Mm-hmm.